0: All right, welcome in Undraftable Podcast, episode 12, firmly into the double digits and episodes, Cade Carlton, Caleb Livingston with you again for another episode, we're excited for this one today. Uh, Have a very special guest on to talk uh, college football, which is something we haven't done very much, if at all, on this show yet. Uh, So excited to get into that. Before we get into anything, I'll say what's up to uh, Caleb Livingston.
1: Man, what's going on? It's good to be here. Uh, Excited about today and getting Phil on. Um, You know, we're showing our versatility. You know, I mean, you know, coaches want versatile players that can can play both (laughs) sides of, of the court. You know, and, and we're showing it today, you know, getting Phil on, talking a little college football and just kind of the different landscape that it's going to be this year and, and uh, excited to hear his thoughts on, you know, are we going to get a season, how's it going to look, and, and different things like that.
0: Yeah, so Phil Steele, uh, who writes the biggest college football preview of all time every single year, uh, which you can get at Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, which I know if anybody's listening to Jonesboro, did will do you a lot of good, but also philsteele.com uh is going to be on the program today uh, but you know before we get into him uh, obviously we're going to touch on a few things uh we'll get into some college football talk a little bit later on you know leading up to his interview but uh, you know uh, a lot of a lot of things going on in the sports world right now we have the nba restart in the bubble uh which has gone over i think better than anybody could have hoped for at this point uh it's been really really good um uh, and one of the interesting storylines, uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about the Grizzlies and the eight seed and how they're kind of folding right now. But one of the interesting storylines that not a whole lot of people are talking about is that uh, the Lakers have struggled in the bubble, man. What are they, like three and three, three and four right now in the bubble? Uh, you know, they had the big win over the Clippers. Uh, LeBron doesn't play. Uh, on Wednesday or Thursday of this week because of a groin injury. They lose to the Thunder. Like, man, they're struggling right now. They're, they're, there's definite causes for concern with them.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, like last night LeBron doesn't play and they play the Rockets and just get absolutely blasted. Um, And it's like, okay, it's the Rockets, but the Rockets were out without Russell Westbrook and Eric Gordon too. You know, it's not like they were at full strength either. And um, I don't know – it's not a good look, you know. And I've got a bunch of friends that are Lakers fans. They're like, oh, we're wanting to rest. I'm like, rest? Like, we've had three months off. You know, yeah. like, what, what are you resting for? Now you're trying to get in rhythm. And, and, I, and I tell you, uh, they better be careful that somebody like Portland doesn't get that eight seed with how hot they are. And yep. they've got two guys that can both get 30 in a game. And then you've got Melo, who has hit clutch shot after clutch shot. He's in shape. He looks like he's gonna. I don't know if anybody can truly defend LeBron for a full game, but like Carmelo knows LeBron. I'm telling you, if if Portland gets that eight seed, I don't know that they could beat the Lakers, but I think that it goes to seven games. You yeah. Know? And yeah. and then with and if it goes seven games, you got a guy like Dame Lillard who we've seen the big shot after big shot that he's hit. I mean that that's scary like if if i'm los angeles with, they've wrapped up the one seed but i am looking and i'm hoping that portland does not get that eight seed because i'm hoping for the
0: Grizzlies or the spurs
1: yes and the grizzlies may not even be in that play, play 8 9 playoff right now yeah. I mean, just looking at their schedule and and with jaron jackson going down it, i mean it's not looking good Phoenix is hot right now. You know they haven't lost. Devin Booker hits a game winner over Paul George and the Clippers. Um, you know, right now today, if I had to, if I had to predict, it's going to be Portland, the eight seed, Phoenix, the nine seed. They're going to play. You know, to to get in, and I expect Portland to kind of get in and and do that. Now, if it's anybody outside of Portland, I think L.A. breathes a lot easier. Yeah. It gives them a, a playoff series to get everything back. But the scary thing about them right now is they can't make a shot. You know, they, they, I mean, Anthony Davis may be their best three point shooter right now, and he needs to be,
0: he's best operating around the rim. Yeah. And well, like Rondo can't score, which, I mean, Rondo, you don't expect Rondo to be a great score, but he can't score at all. Danny Green can't shoot, what, what, hit the broadside of a barn.
1: How? Like, yeah. that, that's a guy that with the Spurs hit big shot after big shot. Last yeah. year with the Raptors was. You know, hitting big shots. Now he can't. He can't get it in. And honestly, LeBron hasn't shot the ball extremely well in the bubble. No, and I don't think anybody expected him to. Just because that's not his game, but it's 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 magnified now because nobody else is making shots, and yeah. they're they're kind of like, all right, man, you need to hit some shots, and it's like he's not doing it, and um, it's just given. I'm not a huge Le, like, I, I'm not a huge LeBron fan. I, he's great. He's one of the all time greats, but this stuff like that's going on right now is why I don't think he's can ever truly be the greatest and like he's just proving that like and and there's a lot of stuff going on and I don't know that he maybe cares to be called the greatest of all time he's gonna say that he does just because that's what you got to say in his spot but I mean you know he just I don't know he he just kind of looks like he's lacking that motivation right now. Anthony Davis' last two games has not been very good. No. Uh, Yeah. And that's a guy that, obviously, they were as good as they were before the, you know, before coronavirus hit because he was playing at an MVP level. You know, he probably wasn't going to get the MVP, but he was playing at a level good enough to. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting that the West is loaded, man. Yeah, I mean – it's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: they So the Lakers have scored They've scored 101 and 116 in their wins, which is – I mean, it's fine. It's it's fine. Um, 101 may be a little bit low for some other teams that are going to be competing for a championship, but it's fine. Uh, in their losses, 92-86-97. That's not winning you a lot of games in yeah. today's NBA. I think I, uh, they said last night that they're the only team in the bubble not
1: averaging 100 points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm. That that's that's kind of that's scary, you know. If I'm a Lakers fan, you know. Now, granted, we when it comes to playoff time, you know, LeBron's going to be ready to go. But yeah, what's Anthony Davis ever won, you know? And you brought in veterans like Danny Green and Rondo to hopefully, you know, for their sake, they they got to step it up. But I mean, Rondo's not even playing yet, and then Danny Green. I mean, they might as well not put him out there. And then you got J.R. Smith who. We know what happened last time when we saw J.R. Smith in the playoffs. Has
0: Deion Waiters been like their third best player, and he's awful. Yeah, <laughs> like he
1: like like I I don't know. Like they, if I'm a Lakers fan, I'm I'm a little worried right now about what's going on. Um, you know, one of my favorite teams to watch so far in the bubble has been the Nuggets and and Michael Porter Jr. You know, it's a guy who's averaging like six points a game. You know, before quarantine, he's coming out just like. Thirty piece in every night. Well, how about T.J. Warren? Yeah. T.J. Warren went into the bubble
0: and all of a sudden turned into James Harden.
1: I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I listened to—I can't remember who it was yesterday. They were talking about maybe the surprise player so far, and everybody's yeah. like, "Oh, T.J. Warren." T.J. Warren was having a pretty decent year coming into it, averaging double figures. Now, nobody expects him to average 40 in right. the first four games. And but score
0: 52 or 53 I, against the Sixers and hit a game-winning three.
1: And, and then back it up with a 30-piece behind that. But yeah. Michael Porter Jr., if he is – you know, he was the number one rated high school recruit coming out. Gets hurt at Mizzou, never got healthy, wasn't healthy going to the draft. Nuggets, who are already good, have a lottery pick at number 14, pick him knowing that, hey, we'll let him rest, he'll up. That's turned out to be – that's scary. Like, the Nuggets are – they've got a chance. I yep. mean, because he gives them the length to match up with the Lakers and Clippers, you know, and uh, that, that they're a team that I, I like what I see. Not, you know, they got beat by Portland last night. But I'm telling you, Dame is like he, – he's got this look in his eye that, you know, he had a couple years ago and. And, uh, I, you know, it's the Western Conference playoffs are going to be fun. The Eastern yeah. Conference may be just awful.
0: Well, because I, I don't know that anybody's going to beat the Bucks.
1: But and, and I've watched the Bucks three times so far,
0: and I'm not even impressed with them. Yeah, like, I, I'm telling you, the Sixers are not very good. I've watched them two or three times. Like, they, they don't have scores. No. They don't have scores. Ben Simmons can't score. Joel Embiid can score, but his scoring is, for the most part, limited to within side 18 feet. Like, they don't have scores. They really – the Sixers really, really miss a guy like J.J. Redick uh, who can go spot on the wing or spot in the corner and get you, you know, 10, 12, 15 points a night off threes. Like, they miss a guy like that. You,
1: you know who's going to end up coming out of the East again? It's Toronto. Yeah, they very well. Yeah. yeah. they. Fred Van Fleet's been unbelievable. Kyle Lowry's a leader. I mean, he, he told Aaron Gordon last night what room he's in to come on, <laughs> you know. Like, you don't want to mess with Toronto. Like, everybody thought – everybody just kind of wrote him off when Kawhi left. But they have – I mean, they're the two seed right now. And it looks like they're going to be the two seed going to the playoffs. And, you know, people talk about Boston. Man, I – again, like – there's something missing with this Boston team. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they don't know who their go-to guy is because they've got so many good
0: players, but they don't have a great player. I Yeah, don't think, you know? and, and like at times, like Tatum's the closest thing they have, but I don't think he's great yet.
1: No, and and they're it seems like they're forcing it with him, and then he like he'll have a couple good games, and then doesn't deliver, and then it's yeah. like, well, got to go back to Gordon or Jalen Brown or Kimba, you know, and it's just like. Who's going to make that play? Who's going to have that big series that when two or three other guys aren't having good nights that can carry the team,
0: you yeah. know? And, I, and I'll tell you who I'm interested in. Cause, uh, and I know they lost the Lakers, but the way Paul George has played in this bubble, like the, the Clippers are really interesting. I know that's like a hot take because the Clippers were picked to win the West by most people. But, like, the way Paul George has played, who has been prone to have bad playoff series – all right, they're a really interesting team out of the West. Uh,
1: well, I mean, and then, and they've got Kawhi. Yeah, and yeah. and right now they've got three of their best players. I guess Lou Williams played last night. He, uh, I guess he got his chicken wings <laughs> from Magic City and got to play. But right. uh, you know, P Bev is still not back. He's still yeah. quarantined. Montrez Harrell. You know, those are those are your two two your better defenders. Yeah, Beverly's shooting a high percentage from three. Harrell is that kind of that jack of all trades kind of guy. But what it's doing is is allowing other guys to get some confidence, you know. And, and you know, they were already a deep team. Now it's going to make them even deeper. Um, I, I guess one other team out of the East that I kind of like that's kind of scary is the Heat, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they can make the finals, but I, I, I'm going to say that Miami Heat, you'll have to beat them to get to the NBA finals, whether in the semifinals or the Eastern Conference or the finals. Whoever beats them is going to go to the finals. Spolstra has showed that he can coach. Jimmy Butler has, has transformed that team to to his personality. They're just tough. They can make shots. They have good guard play. They have versatile bigs that can switch out. Um, you know, right now it's setting up where they they would play Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference semis. That's not a guaranteed win for Milwaukee.
0: No, yeah, I mean, and I, I'm going to tell you too. And I know I just got done saying that Paul George was great, like the Clippers are, are, are a dangerous team, but like I'm not so sure if I'm the Clippers, I wouldn't just try and fall down to the three seed. I want no part of Dallas in the first round. I mean, you could you could beat the dog out of Oklahoma City. I have no, I have no. Do you, th-
1: do you think though? I mean, OKC, Chris Paul, like they're they're not going to do
0: it pretty, but. Yeah, but I just – the Clippers have way more pieces than they do. Like, I don't want to get in a playoff series with Luka. Like, I just – I don't want any part of that.
1: I I agree. I I think Luka's worth two wins. I just don't think they've got enough around him yet. Like, they don't have another playmaker right now. You know, Porzingis is good, but he's a catch-and-shoot three guy or go post-up. And he's also hurt 24-7. You know, um, for Dallas to take that next step into the upper echelon of the West, they need another playmaker on the wing. Uh, with Luka. But, yeah, no, I, I, that, that's a scary – I mean, I'm telling you, if Portland makes the playoffs, the most boring first-round matchup in the West will be the 4-5 with Houston and Utah. Cause I just don't think Utah's very good. Yeah. Um, Houston's going to make that exciting with the way they shoot threes and stuff, but that's your, the least intriguing because whoever Oklahoma City plays, I'm not. you're not going to count out Billy Donovan and Chris Paul. Yeah. You know, will they beat – the Clippers or Nuggets? No. But would it surprise you if it was a seven-game series? No. It wouldn't surprise anybody. Um, So, the bubble's been great. It has.
0: I'm not as into it now as I will be when the playoffs start, though. Like, it's one of those deals where I will score track and, like, if I'm at home and there's really nothing else going on, like, I'm going to watch. But... When the playoffs start, that's when I'm really, really, really going to get into it. Because, I mean, at this point, like, everything has pretty much been determined, except for the eight seed in the West.
1: Agreed. But here's why I've been into it more than I was before the pandemic hit. It's got that college, AAU type feel. Yeah, you, Like, guys, you know, in a regular season game, when, you know, in normal times, guys that aren't playing are, like, in suits, and they're trying to dress to impress, and, now they're like last night Patrick Beverley's in shorts and sandals and yeah. you know just coaches
0: like, are in uh, polos yeah you like, know with tennis
1: shoes on you yeah. know like it's just got that feel and the players are like they're they've got the freedom like the benches the bench energy has been unbelievable yeah like th- these guys are have embraced this bubble and they're having fun with it and that that's what you like to see like you don't. I have enjoyed that they have not complained about it. You know, they've embraced it. They've, hey, this is what it is. We're going to make it the best we can. And and that's been fun to see. You yeah. know. And, uh, well, and it was cool too. Uh,
0: the Lakers Clippers game that first night where there were just like 10 or 15 different stars just like pulled up watching it off to the side somewhere. And it's like, you don't see that when everything's normal, you know?
1: No. And, and then like, I, you know, we, we kind of bagged on the, the artificial fan noise, and then you've got the uh, court side seating. But it's been cool to see some of the, you know, like we you had Lil Wayne show up the yeah. other night. Shaq yeah. was on. Chris Bosh. Yeah. I mean, you know, just just really cool to, to see that. Uh I don't know. It, it's been different, you know. Um I've enjoyed it. You know, I've actually watched full games now, you know, yeah. where in the past it's just – I don't know. It, it seems like – when you're in in normal situations basketball may not be like the main focus for these guys well that's all they've got to focus on down there yeah you know and yeah. and so i think we're going to get a really good playoffs
0: now i agree that um and i haven't watched as much in the last week or so just because i've been watching baseball or i've been watching golf or i've been watching you know the nba but the WNBA bubble has been pretty good too yeah. you know i've enjoyed that kennedy carter's been going off which yeah I called that. Yeah, you did yeah, call I that. I called that. Um, <laughs> I, I I saw. I didn't watch last night, uh, but I got on Instagram and saw where she went for like thirty five, and I was yeah. like, "Yeah, he called that. Yeah, he See, called
1: that." I mean, and here's the deal with her. We said it from from the very beginning. If she ever buys into, it's more than just her, and you've got to in the in the WNBA because you've got yeah. pros around you. She's going to be scary good. Now, I, I agree with you that Sabrina is is somebody you can build a league around. You know, but um, you know somebody like Kennedy Carter. Like when we we look back at the numbers at the end of the day, she may have better numbers than Sabrina, but yeah. Sabrina's more marketable. You know, because of her days at Oregon and stuff. Yeah, I, I do. I I didn't talk to you about this pre-show, but and it just popped up in my head. I, I watched uh, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp yesterday. Okay, okay, they're talking about Zion Williamson. And talking about –
0: He was like 80 pounds overweight. Well,
1: that's what they were talking about. A a medical expert came out and said that he is actually slower, less explosive than he was at Duke. Yeah. And that they – Shannon Sharp said he does not think that he'll have a 10-year career in the NBA. No.
0: Like, how how is it possible for a guy like Zion to go to Duke and be in the best shape of his life in college, but then go to the pros – and get fattened out. Like, how is that possible? That should happen in college, and then he should go to the pros and get in shape. How is it possible for him to be more in shape, more athletic, more explosive at Duke than he than he is, you know, 12 months later or however long it is in New Orleans in the NBA? Like, how is that possible?
1: Man, that we talk about all the time about who your circle is, you know, and you've got to have great people in your circle. And somebody – is not advising him, or he's just not listening to people, you know, because I, I get that he didn't have a, an offseason to quote-unquote get better because he was hurt. So he's trying to get back to, as I said, point A, you know, yeah. that he was at. But still, like, point A was pretty good at Duke. Like, <laughs> he was a freak, you know. Like, But he's I don't even know if he's back to that yet. I mean, he that, shows yeah. signs of
0: it. Yeah, he, he had a couple of baseline drives and, you know, a couple of – you know, up and under moves where he showed explosiveness against the Grizzlies the other night, but like that's few and far in between. That's like two or three plays a game. He was doing that every play at Duke. Well, and, and it's not a big
1: deal if he's not the number one pick. If he's not signing a hundred million dollar Nike deal, like there's a lot of expectation, and so this this his second year in the league is gonna is gonna be huge for him because yeah. if he doesn't make the improvements that people want to see, then people are going to start calling him a bust and we and we see what happens when you get labeled like that it's hard to recover from that you know and uh i, I don't know it, it was an interesting conversation um he he's got some work to do and and hopefully for his sake you know you never want to see anybody fail at anything they do and um hopefully somebody gets in his ear that he'll listen to that says hey we got to work you know we yeah. got to get back to it
0: You would think, like, being on a team with 18 different Duke players, that this would not be a problem. Like, the brotherhood would step in and be like, yo, you need to stop going and eating gumbo every single night. Like, you need to get in shape. That just tells you, though, that
1: I would say Duke is as close as it gets to a true brotherhood from, like, if you played in the 80s to the 90s to today – but that just shows you that you start listening to the wrong people, and you, that that goes out the window. You know, you got people that think they know better, and I'm just telling. You, he's got somebody in his ear that just doesn't know what they're talking about, and that he trusts. And and you know, it is what it is. It, it's especially you just see it all the time with professional athletes. That yeah, because here's the deal: to be the number one pick, he's talented. I mean, there's no doubt he's talented. In fact, he's freakishly talented. But he's he's not listening to the right people. Hopefully he can because he, he does bring excitement. He brings a storyline every night, you know. Um, and then New Orleans has got a chance, if he's good, to be a, another good team in the West, you know, that's right now that's looking really scary. I mean, you're talking about a team out of the West right now that's in the bubble that's going to be a lottery pick, you know. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean – so, they're going to get
0: better. I mean – And it's going to be a situation where, like, in two years, the Spurs are probably going to be the worst team in the Southwest Division.
1: Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now. The two West teams that aren't in the bubble, Minnesota, who – Carl Anthony Towns. Um, Angelo Russell. Yeah. You get two guys you can build around. You get a third guy in there. Yeah. And then, oh, guess who the other team is? The The Warriors. You know, they're not going to suck next year because they're getting a lottery pick and they get Steph and Clay and Draymond back.
0: Like, yeah. And they got Andrew Wiggins. Like, yeah. And probably like James Wiseman now. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> so, or LaMelo.
1: Um, yeah. I would say that the Warriors are definitely not going to be at the bottom. They'll be at the top next year. Yeah. So, I agree. Um, anyway, I know you're, you know, another big, uh, sporting event going on this weekend is the PGA championship. Um, I'm a, I'm a golf fan. I'm a Tiger fan. You are like on steroids with it. Um, <laughs> you know how you know Tiger's in contention. Mm-hmm. You know I guess is he three shots back?
0: Three. As we're taping this on Friday, August seventh at ten seventeen a.m., he is three shots back of the lead of five under.
1: Um, and then tonight on on Friday, what did you say it was? August seventh. August seventh. He is going to be. Um, in prime time on ESPN. When, yep. that I can't tell you the last time that's really happened. I guess the, the little celebrity golf match, but, like, a real PGA event, primetime Tiger Woods in contention. How cool is that going to be?
0: I, I tweeted last night. I believe every single year a major championship or one of the big tournaments like the Memorial or the players or, you know, one of those big four or five tournaments should be played on the West Coast because primetime golf on the east and central time zones is one of the best things you can get in sports, whether Tiger Woods is in contention or not. It's one of the best things you can get in sports. Like, watching golf at 8 o'clock at night is phenomenal. Uh, to see and – and here's why I feel good about it, because I've watched every Thursday round Tiger Woods has played since he came back from injury – most notably, I've watched every single Thursday round since he started this little run in 2018. Uh, everything I look forward to Thursday round for him to succeed happened yesterday. He hit the ball well. He looked like he had movement. He looked like he had motion. There was no stiffness or pain whenever he swung the club. He putted well, and I just feel really good. I don't know if he's going to win it. I'm not going to say he's going to win it, but I feel really, really good about his chances this weekend. And to see him, not only him, but Roy McIlroy, and Justin Thomas, who both didn't play well yesterday, but it's still two of the top ten golfers in the world on primetime television is going to be phenomenal. I mean, I, I cannot wait. I like it's to the point where the Cardinals and the Cubs play tonight, and I'm not watching a single pitch of that game.
1: Well, who would? That both those teams are irrelevant. <laughs> um, what does Tiger got to shoot today? To, to I mean, can he shoot? 2-under again and be in contention, or does he got to go lower?
0: Uh, I have a number in my head based on the lead. So, if it's – I think he needs to go 4-under because I think the lead's going to be at 8-under. And so, if he goes 4-under, he puts himself at 6-under. Now you're in a situation where – everybody's on a level playing field. Like, y- your leader at 8-under is not teeing off at 7 o'clock in the morning while you're teeing off at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Like, you're teeing off within 30 or 45 minutes of each other. So, everybody's on a level playing field. So, I think if he gets to 3 or 4-under, he can go into the weekend two or three shots off the lead. I feel really good about Because here's the thing, like, the lead was at 6-under in the 2019 Masters and Tiger was at 2-under. It's at 5-under right now and Tiger's at 2-under. I feel really good about it. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I was watching last night, just hoping and praying the lead didn't move, and thankfully the lead didn't move. So I feel really, really good about it.
1: No, without a doubt. Hopefully he can have another good round today, and it just will make the weekend because we'll get more prime time golf with Tiger Woods. Yeah. And uh, but with even without him, it's going to be intriguing, you know, because I think this mm-hmm. is going to be a. A championship that comes down to the last couple holes on Sunday, and that's going to be cool to see in primetime television. You know, yeah. um, so transitioning a little bit into um, our guest today, Phil Steele.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm going to talk college football. Like the longest build up ever for a guest yeah. on this podcast. I mean, we
1: just got going on other stuff, <laughs> but hey, that's why we're the we're the boss of the podcast, and we do what we want. It's our party. Um, so going into, I'll let you start first with. Uh, Sunbelt came out and said they could play twelve games. Yep, I guess A State has ten games scheduled mm-hmm. right now. Thoughts on that? Thoughts on A State? Kind of give a little minute preview of what you think they're going to be, and then talk about their schedule a little bit. Um,
0: I I think they're going to get twelve games. I I, I think they're going to get twelve games. Every conversation that you know I've heard, Terry Mahajan, they do have like is focused around A, getting six home games, and B, getting 12 games. I think they're going to get 12 games. I think they're going to get an FCS. I don't know if that's – I don't know who the FCS is. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Uh, and I think uh, they're going to get another group of five game, whether that's on the road or at home. And I've been told that as early as next Monday or Tuesday, expect an announcement on that. So I think they're going to get 12 games. Uh, I don't know. Um I don't buy into the Louisiana hype as much this year as I have in years past. I still think they're going to be good. I still think going on the road and beating them to potentially win the Sunbelt West is going to be tough. Uh, But I don't know. But then I have questions about the secondary. Like, you know, their best player in the secondary is now at Arkansas. Their best player on the defensive line is now at Baylor. Like, I have a ton of questions about the defense. Like, I just – i need to see a game and get those questions answered before i can make a true judgment but i would say i would say no lower than second to the west but I, I just i don't know that i can pick them to win the west until i see the defensive person because two of your best players are now at other universities and your secondary lost a lot to graduation transfer injury whatever last year so i, I it, there's just so many questions i don't know Yeah. um, You know, I
1: I don't follow A-State football as closely as you do. Obviously, you're there every Saturday. Yeah. Um, You know, it's been noted on the show that you're also an Ole Miss fan. Whatever, you know. (laughs) But, you know, that's that's one of the things we're going to talk about with Phil is, you know, kind of the coaching changes. And, obviously, Ole Miss went through one with hiring Lane Kiffin. Arkansas went through one with bringing in Sam Pittman. Um, I'll give my thoughts on that after – uh, you give your thoughts on you know what Ole Miss you know what do you expect out of them with the ten game SEC schedule, you know is Lane gonna get it done? Like I've I've heard some mixed kind of reviews out of out of Oxford that you know that it's not surprising if you kind of know Lane Kiffin's background at all yep. you know, but you would think that he's gonna you know this is an SEC job again yep. you know you've had one before you've had USC. Like, if you screw this one up, you're – man, you're done for if you're lame.
0: Here's I, – I, I don't give a crap about this season. Like, that, that's a lie. Like, I care about the season. But I don't care if Ole Miss goes 2-8. and eight. I don't care if they go 8-2. and two. I really don't care about this season because this season really and truthfully does not matter in Lane Kiffin's tenure. Like, I know we were talking about Phil Steele, and he's high on what Matt Luke did in recruiting, sure. But <laughs> Ole Miss doesn't have a quarterback John Rice Plumlee can't throw the football More than 10 yards accurately Matt Corral last year Has shown he's like a Mental basket case And so can he play quarterback This year? I don't know uh, Defensively I think They're going to be fine but I, I don't have an answer At quarterback. I don't really have an answer on the offensive Line. I don't really have an answer at receivers. So I don't really care about this year I care about 2021. I care about 2022. I care about 2023, because anybody with a pulse and a brain that's an Ole Miss fan knows those are the years where you want to be, you know, at least in contention. Like th- that's the years where you want to go six and six, maybe jump to seven and five, eight and four the next year, and then you know have your nine and three, ten and two, maybe even eleven and one year where you, you know contend for the SEC West and, you know, maybe make it to a New Year's Six bowl game. Not a New Year Six, you know, one of the higher other bowl games. Uh, but here's the thing, like, the 2021 recruiting class, Arkansas State is a better recruiting class in 2021 than Ole Miss does right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, you know, I've got it pulled up right now. They're, Ole Miss has got nine commitments and they're ranked last in the SEC right now. Um, nobody thought that would happen with Lane no you know, that you thought that they they would he'd come in and it'd be exciting and yeah. you know it'd be something that people would jump on board and and i don't know what it is but that's kind of surprising i mean they're behind vanderbilt
0: right now yeah and like granted there's still a lot of time to go with the 2021 class i mean we still have until what i guess uh um, we still have until december so there's you know four or five months however long that is away um and then I guess your hard date for the twenty twenty one is February. So I mean you have four months and then three, you know, months to scrounge up some other pieces if, you know, you don't get what you like. But man, like that twenty twenty one class, like, if he cannot if he can't get anybody in the twenty twenty one class, I'm significantly worried. Now, if the twenty twenty one class pans out and, you know, Ole Miss is like, you know, middle of the SEC and the in the in recruiting, uh, or you know they can even get higher than the middle of the pack. I feel fine about it, but if the twenty twenty one class is one of the lowest in the SEC, I just don't know. Well, because I don't think there's that much talent on campus right now. Well,
1: because you know he he came in, and he only had the twelfth best recruiting class after he came in last year. So yeah. he, you're talking about back to back classes, and here's the looking at it according to twenty four seven sports, like it was Arkansas finished eleventh, but like their um, kind of the way 24 seven does it, their point system, they were way behind Arkansas. And even though they're just one spot down, that's not a good thing either. You know, yeah. like that's, that's back to back classes that you want to set your tone of what your tenure is going to be at that school. And, and that's, and that's, I guess one thing that I've been excited about Sam Pittman, um, I don't know if the guy can coach or not, as far as be a head coach. We know he can be a great O-line coach. I mean, he's proven that. Yep. Like, I mean, he was at Georgia. Nick Saban tried to hire him when he was at Arkansas. He turned him down to stay. You know, probably looking back, he probably regrets that maybe a little bit. But, hey, whatever. Um, he is putting his mark on, on these recruiting classes. And one of the things is big offensive linemen, you know, and – and Phil will kind of talk about that a little bit, is the transition from Bielema to Chad Morris, big to little offensive line. Now back to – I don't know if we're going to get as big as what Bielema was. I mean, yeah. you know, that one year they had the biggest offensive line in football. Not college football, in all of football. Like, Which is crazy. It, yes, it, absolutely nuts. And all those guys are playing in the NFL, by the way. Um, but – I think I think we're going to get somewhere in between what Bielema had and what Chad Morris wanted because with Kendall Bryles running the offense, it's still going to be a, you know, hurry up, no huddle, you know, but but it's going to be run-oriented. run, run oriented. Um, But I like what Sam's doing in recruiting. You know, he's getting to Oklahoma a lot. He's recruiting bigger offensive linemen. He's getting some speed at the skill positions where Chad Morris wanted bigger receivers so they could throw it down the field, 50-50 balls. Chad Moore said, "Left lane, hammer down." We never saw. We were in the right lane, pulled over on the side with the with the flashers on, too much. I mean, I, let's just call it what it is, you yeah. know. And then we couldn't put when we when we did. Kind of, I don't know that we ever played as fast as what he said we we're going to play. But when we did, at times we had success, like A and M, Kentucky, you know, games like that. But too many times we were like pulled over on the side of the road flat tire and that in our defense has been bad but if you look the past two years arkansas defensive guys were the guys getting drafted you know we haven't had i don't know that we've had an offensive guy get drafted and if you're going three and out and your defense is having to play two-thirds of the game there's not a defense out there that can sustain that even alabama think about five years ago how good alabama defense was they're not even close to that right now, and it's because of the way college football is going, and it, it's evolving into a way more offensive game. So you now you're just hoping you can hold people to field goals, you know, instead of you know keeping them out of the end zone or, or making them punt. You're just hoping, okay, let's just field goal attempt, we'll live with it, you know. Um, but Alabama's scoring every play too, so when you're scoring seventy and giving up thirty. Yeah, Nick Saban's going to be in your butt about that as a defense, but at the end of the day, you're still winning by 40, you yeah. know. Where if you're Arkansas and you're only scoring 20 but giving up 45, it's because your defense is on the field two-thirds of the game. And you're not – you don't have Alabama talent, you know. No,
0: the, the defining moment of Chad Morris to Arkansas to me uh, was like his maybe third game or second game as a head coach when Arkansas plays TCU at home. <laughs> And like Arkansas Arkansas's defense gives the performance of a lifetime at Arkansas can't move it past the fifty yard line. Like there were there well, was so was much energy Bielema, in that though. stadium. That was, was that B limit? Yeah, that was still B limit. Okay.
1: My here my two defining moments for Chad Morris. The North Texas punt return for a touchdown. Yeah. Yep, that yep. that that's looking back, that summed up his two years. Just no discipline, no fundamentals, no energy. Like just to let something like that happen, that, that that's embarrassing. That I mean it can't it popped up on Twitter again from like ESPN's college football Twitter account, like, you know, ready for ready for college football like North Texas punt return or whatever, or something like that. And it was just like, Oh my goodness, gotta live that again. And then my second moment was Ty Story coming in at Western Kentucky and just wearing Arkansas out. Like I was I was in the boat of Ty Story was not the quarterback because if you looked at the numbers, he was not very good. Now yep. looking back, it was he wasn't getting any coaching. But I was like, Yeah, we gotta we gotta bring in somebody. Brought in Nick Starkle, Ben Hicks. Both had been successful at other places and they come here and they look like they've never played the quarterback position before. I mean, Nick Starkle is a dude that he should be in the NFL right now. He's got that kind of talent. If you, yep. I mean, he lost out. He lost the starting job after he got hurt at A and M to a guy in Kellamond who's going to get drafted. You know, Phil's kind of talks about him later on. And Nick Starkle couldn't throw it to us. He could throw it to the other team. Like, how does that happen? Yeah. Well, it's you change of coaching. You know, and um, I, I'm just excited. I think we've got. I think Sam is realistic with who he is. And he brought in people around him that are going to help in his deficiencies. Bringing in Barry Odom, even if the defense is only a top 50 defense, that's 50-something spots better than what it was. <laughs> okay. So, that's you're going to see a huge improvement. But Barry's going to help Sam in the other stuff of how to be a head coach in this league. And especially now that we're playing 10 SEC games, you're going to yeah. need that. You know, Kendall Browse. You know, Phil talks about him a little bit. He's one of the best OCs in the country, let alone best young OCs, you know. And yeah. and, and word is around up on the hill is that he wants to be here for a long time. And, and if he's has a successful offense, I could see him taking over for Sam, you know, in, in five, ten years, you know, in between that time. It, you know, because I think Sam's going to be successful because he gets Arkansas. 99% of Arkansas fans get where we're at. We're not Alabama. We're not LSU. We're not Auburn. We're not asking to be 10, 11, 12 wins every year. We want to do that once every four or five years. Yep. And then the other years, win seven, eight games.
0: Well, I think think you have the same template format that I want to have at Ole Miss. In a given 10 years, I'm fine with, you know, a couple down years, two or three down years where – Maybe you go five and seven. Maybe you go six and six. Just sneak into a bowl game. I'm but fine you're, with that. But
1: your down year is not getting blown out every game, right? Yeah. Your down year is go
0: compete. Yeah, go, go compete, and maybe you make yes. a bowl game. Maybe you don't. I'm fine with that. I want three. I want three or four years where you know you're competing in almost every game, and you you go eight and four, maybe even seven and five in the SEC, and then I want a few years where you're. Going nine and three, ten and two, something like that. Maybe not are not winning the west, but you're competing in almost in every game you play, you're putting yourself into a spot where you can get into a New Year's six bowl game. Even if you don't, and even if you go to Florida and play, you know, in one of those big premier bowls or whatever, like that's what I want in a given ten years. Not where you're getting blown out by Mississippi State and Starkville, a Mississippi State team that's mediocre at best. Like and I don't. I don't think that's unrealistic. I don't want ten and two every year. I want it three years in a ten year span, if that. I mean, I, you give you give me
1: Bobby Petrino years. Granted, back to back years, we were top five in the country. Yeah, I get that. That's not going to happen all the time, but you know, they got better and better. Then they had that special class of recruits that they went back to back. And yes, before he got fired. We were pre- preseason ranked top ten, and then he rides his motorcycle. But I don't think he, Arkansas fans really thought that we were going to be as good as we were. But I thought we could win eight games, maybe nine, you know, with the yeah. bowl in, And then we're going to lose Tyler Wilson and, and kind of – and then go six and six, seven and five, maybe even a five and seven, but then build it back up. And, and that's what we want. And I think Sam gets that. He gets the state. He gets the the – how proud this state is of man like hey if just think if he wins they could go two and eight this year that would be two more sec
2: wins
1: (laughs) than what chad morse had in two years and then what and then brett didn't win one i mean brett had two years where he won zero and one you know um you know two and eight doesn't sound great but against sec competition I think you take it if you're Arkansas this year. Nope, 3 I agree. and 7 may be unbelievable. 4 and 6 they're building a statue. He goes 500, he's going to get a lifetime contract and <laughs> become the next AD or president or something. I don't know. But uh no, I mean I can tell college football is getting close. I'm getting it's getting antsy. It's yeah. in the news. Um so really excited about Phil coming on and, you know, he's the number one guy like he doesn't get a lot of the pub because he's not on the national shows. You know, like, yeah. he, you know, he, uh, kudos he to He does him. the local radio market and yes. stuff like that. Kudos you know? to him for not selling out, you know, to the the highest bidder, you know, yeah. the ESPN. It, or, well, he
0: actually did. He was, like, with ESPN for a year or two. And then it's like, ah, I'm doing it back on my own again. Yeah, b- and because
1: so, he is, you, you've got to tell you, you've got to say whatever ESPN tells you to say. Yeah. And when you're doing, when you're on the boss, you can say what you want. And you answer to yourself and. I don't know that you can find a guy that does more research whose team who they're all their body into it, you know, and I can't wait for everybody to hear kind of the process of how they they get the magazine going and and I mean he's the he is the guy that's the most accurate, you know, year in and year out with, with his predictions and and everything. So so really excited for y'all to hear this interview and
0: uh I don't know, I think it'll be really good. Yeah. Longest build up to an interview ever, but uh Hey, uh, we're we're excited to have Phil Still on with us today to talk uh, college football, everything from national to uh, back closer to home, the SEC and Arkansas State. Uh, About 20, maybe a little over 20 minutes on this interview with Phil Still. So uh, thanks to Phil for hopping on. And without further ado, we'll get into that uh, Phil Still interview coming up next. All right, welcome back in to the uh, Undraftables podcast. Kate Carlton, Kate Livingston with you as we're pleased to be joined now on the phone line by one of the biggest college football experts in the country And Phil Still. Phil, how's it going?
2: Real good. How about you guys today?
0: Oh, it's football is getting closer and closer, so everything's good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ho- hopefully football's getting closer and closer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh You know, so obviously there's been a lot of stuff going on, uh, you know, in the country the last few months or so, most notably the coronavirus. Uh, I know for you, you know, obviously your magazine came out a little bit later than it normally does. Um, Just how did the coronavirus kind of affect you in terms of, you know, your publication and being able to get it out to the public?
2: Yeah, it affected us in two ways. The first one came in uh, when we released it. Uh, Normally we send the last page of the press the end of May. But and it's a six-month process, putting the magazine together. So we start the Sunday after Thanksgiving. We got four full months into it, and then they shut this, the state of Ohio shut us down. So, I mean, uh, I was coming into an empty office every day because couldn't have the staff come in for about a month and a half to two months. Uh, when the staff was able to return, they came back fired up and came back with a vengeance, started talking to the coaches, talked to 110 of the 130 head coaches. They got me fired up because – Uh, The coach's attitude was, you know what, didn't have spring practice, no big deal, Uh, we'll be fine, put the football on the field, we'll we'll be ready to play. So what we did is we pushed the magazine back to July 8th as opposed to the end of May for sending the last page of the press. And then the second big difference this year uh, was the distribution. We normally print a couple hundred thousand. We're everywhere, every grocery store, bookstore in the country. But this year we only printed 50,000, about one-fourth of what we normally print and we're only available in Barnes and Noble and Books a Million, so two locations only. Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, limited printing quantity, one fourth what we normally print, or of course PhilSteel.com.
0: Just, I know, obviously, uh, you know, you get a lot of your information, you know, f- through coaches in the spring and whatnot. Obviously, spring football was impacted. I know you said. You know, most coaches were upbeat, but just how different were those conversations this year, you know, trying to get the scouting reports on teams as opposed to years past?
2: Uh, For experienced head coaches, really no different whatsoever. Uh, You know, you might have missed out on 15 spring practices, but the coaches know their team inside and out. What it did change is with first-year head coaches. Generally, when I'm talking to the first-year head coaches, they've had a spring. They go through all the practices with their team they now know the players inside and out some of these first-year head coaches that didn't have any spring practices haven't even seen their kids on the football field yet so there was uh that was probably the biggest difference was a first-year head coach especially with an inexperienced team taking over i think those coaches are going to struggle this year
1: yeah w- without a doubt you know that's that's affected uh you know we're here in arkansas and that affected the you know arkansas with sam Pittman and that higher and um and it's going to be a big difference and now that the uh, power five conferences have kind of come out and said that they're going conference only with their schedule some of them are going plus one out of conference games but uh what are you optimistic about us getting a you know the the 10 games 11 game football season in this year
2: yeah i'm still optimistic i think we're playing football in the fall and getting in the entire schedule and uh actually it it could be turn out to be pretty interesting i think if you uh took a poll of all at-the-SEC fans prior to the year and said, hey, we got a chance of playing 10 conference games this year, Yen, I think everybody would have raised their hand, uh, you know, as opposed to playing the eight SEC games. So uh, I'm pretty pumped up by the fact that we've got a lot of quality matchups coming up this year.
0: You know, and then on the flip side, you know, you look at Group of Five and what we've seen the last few days, the Sun Belt, the AAC, the CUSA, You know, they've all kind of came out and said they want to have a full 12-game schedule. Uh, Just how realistic do you think, you know, the group of five having a 12-game schedule is without some of those bye games and potentially without having any FCS opponents, depending on, you know, what FCS does?
2: Yeah, I don't think there's going to be uh, all the teams having 12. I think there will be some that get in the full 12-game schedule. But with the lack, as you touched on, I mean, you, you can't face power five teams. And the FCS teams moving to the spring, I think, is a big boon for FCS teams because who's not going to watch spring football if it's FCS only? Those yeah. teams will get a lot of eyes on them. Uh, and as far as uh, you know, a team like Arkansas State, you know, they've got two open spots on the schedule. If they can fill them, great. I think if they don't fill them, that's okay. You know, play ten or ten, eleven or twelve games. Only thing that matters is really the amount of conference games that you play is the same. And that will be the same in the Sun Belt this year. So uh, I think we're going to see some teams play 12, but some play 11, some play 10 this year.
1: Yeah, um, you know, like you said, I don't think everybody, you know, in those group of five is going to get 12 games. But it gives – you know, may give them a chance to play some more regional, yeah. you know, type matchups. With, with other group of five, you know, conferences, we were talking before how, you know, A-State may go play Louisiana Tech. You know, that's a that's a bus ride for either team, you know, and – You could see some matchups like that. Um, Looking at your top four, you've got Ohio State number one, Clemson two, Bama three, and Oklahoma number four. Um, Out of those four teams, kind of who do you like for the national championship and and why? You know, I look at it and, you know, being being an SEC fan, you know, seeing Bama in there is no surprise. But, you know, they've got to have some questions at quarterback with losing, you know – you know top five pick and you know but obviously they're going to be good but kind of who do you like for the national championship and and kind of tell us why
2: yeah and i think you know looking at the four teams and really went out of the box with those four teams on guys for the top (laughs) four uh you know with with alabama i think the new quarterback's got a great surrounding cast in fact they have my number one rated offensive line in the country number two set of running backs number three set of receivers Defensively, remember they lost Dylan Moses, Joshua and McMillan prior to last year due to injury. I had Moses as a preseason All-American. I uh, had to play a couple of true freshmen and Shane Lee and Christian Harris. Those guys are back as softs. Moses is back. McMillan's back. I think Alabama's, uh, you know, an excellent team and capable of getting there. Uh, also, Oklahoma, Oklahoma may actually have a top twenty defense this year to go along with their potent offense. And I do think Spencer Rattler is my number one rated quarterback coming out of high school throws for four thousand yards as Oklahoma quarterbacks normally do, he'll be in the Heisman mix, and that makes Oklahoma dangerous. But the two teams I picked for the title game both have the experienced quarterbacks. And I'm talking about Clemson with Trevor Lawrence and Ohio State with Justin Fields. And with Clemson, you know, the biggest question mark for them, probably along the offensive line where they only have one returning starter, maybe some wide receiver depth after Justin Ross not going to be there for the year but they do have my number one rated defensive line in the country and one of the best defenses. The ACC schedule is vastly upgraded this year. Last year was a cakewalk. I mean, last year was Clemson, a Grand Canyon, and I don't think we can even name a second best team in the (laughs) ACC last year. This year, North Carolina, Miami of Florida, Virginia Tech, Pitt, all up there, and they add in a team like Notre Dame. Clemson's going to be challenged in the ACC, but uh, I still think they come out on top led by Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, led by Travis Etienne at running back, and with the number one defensive line in college football. But for the t- team I picked for the title, I went with Ohio State. And got to be honest with you guys, last year at this time, I had major questions on Ohio State. Number one, they only had one returning starter on the offensive line. Number two, they had a brand-new quarterback coming in. Number three, they had a defense that had given up over 400 yards per game. And how about number four? They're replacing a legend in Urban Meyer with a first-time head coach in Ryan Day. So I had all kinds of questions. And what happened? Well, Ohio State was a better team last year than they were in 2018. They just flat-out dominated teams on a weekly basis. Probably should have beaten Clemson in the playoff game had they not settled for so many short field goals and had a couple of key calls go against them. Uh, I think when you look at Ohio State this year, no questions on the offensive line, no questions at quarterback. I mean, I was wondering if Fields could read a defense, 41 touchdowns, three interceptions. The answer is yes. And Ryan Day, can he coach? Well, look what happened last year. So add it all up. I picked Ohio State to win the title this year.
0: And oh, looking at your top 25, you had your know, USC and Texas both in the top 15, top 20 range. Um, Obviously, you know, one of the conversations every year during the college football offseason is will USC or will Texas be back to glory? Just how realistic do you think it is that one or both of those two teams this year could kind of return back to, you know, where they once were and being one of the top dogs in college football?
2: Yeah, I think it's very realistic. Uh, I wouldn't put either one into returning completely to their past until they do it for multiple years but I think they're both capable of getting up there this year. You look at Texas last year, and I know they had finished in the top ten, and Sam Ellinger had said they're back, but they really only had eight returning starters last year, five on offense, three on defense. And then their defense got hit hard by injuries. Uh, Prior to Oklahoma, they they were down four starting defensive backs, and their defense was giving up boatloads of yards. Well, that forced a lot of young players to play last year and gain starting experience now they're much more experienced on defense. they got nine starters back. Plus, all those guys that were forced to play last year also have experience. Offensively, they've got Sam Ellinger at QB. They've got a deeper running back core. Last year was basically Keontae Ingram. Then they added the quarterback, Roshon Johnson. This year they've got Daniel Young, Bijan Robinson. The offensive line looks solid. I think Texas, a vastly more experienced team, will challenge Oklahoma for the Big 12 title. And keep in mind, in the last six years, All six games that they've played during the regular season have been one-score games. So Texas hasn't been too far away from Oklahoma. And with USC, you know, USC and Oregon are the two most talented teams in the Pac-12 this year. And you go back to USC last year, I know they lost uh, a bunch of games, but uh, you have to take a look at the circumstances defensively i don't know if they even had a player start all 13 games that's how banged up they were on defense the offensive line was banged up quarterback they used three different quarterbacks last year uh due to injuries in fact their first loss came when they had they gave uh, slovis his first road start at quarterback they lost to byu in overtime their second road loss came when they started their third string quarterback on the road blew a bunch of red zone opportunities couple key interceptions in the end zone, lost to Washington, and they lost to Notre Dame by three. This year, when you look at USC, talented at every position, uh, and they've got a, a veteran squad with 17 returning starters coming back, vastly upgraded offensive line, and Keaton Slovis could be one of the top quarterbacks in the country. So I think both teams are going to surprise a lot of folks this year.
1: Yeah, you know, they're ranked, both those teams are ranked outside of your top ten. Um, who are some other teams that, you know, might – you know, you consider sleeper teams that to maybe get into the playoff or win a New Year's Six Bowl that are maybe not in your top fifteen right now.
2: Uh, well, I'll say not in the national top fifteen right now. The coaches pull our national top ten, and I'm going to throw two of them at you. Uh, the first one's North Carolina, and with North Carolina, Mac Brown did a hell of a job last year. Took over a team that won three in two games the previous two years. They were 4-6 and six last year, but then won their final three games all in blowout fashion to finish 7-6. and six. Now, he had an inexperienced squad last year, starting a true freshman quarterback, and they were number 103 on my experience chart. This year, they jump all the way up to number 30 on my experience chart with 17 returning starters. Sam Howell is now one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, Coming back as a soft, they are loaded at every position across the board. And remember, if they do get to that ACC title game, last year they played Clemson right down to the wire. In fact, missed a two-point conversion at the end, which would have given them the win. So they'll be confident if they play Clemson, and that means they could sneak into the playoff. The other team that's not in the preseason top ten, but I think has an excellent shot at making the playoff, is my number one surprise team, and that is Texas A&M. And with Texas A&M, they're a team that was very young last year, only had four or five seniors on the entire squad. And they also played a hellacious schedule. Remember, they took on number one-ranked Clemson, number one-ranked Alabama, number one-ranked LSU, number four Georgia, number eight Auburn. Well, this year, the schedule gets easier, and they are much more experienced. 17 returning starters, including Kellen who comes back as a veteran senior quarterback, much improved. And uh, I think a and going to give Alabama a run for their money in the West and could sneak into that playoff spot. They are my number one surprise team in the country.
0: Obviously, you know, in the offseason, uh, there were a lot of new coaching hires this offseason, more than we've seen in the last few years Um And obviously with us being based in Arkansas, the two most notable for us were Sam Pittman to Arkansas and then just down the road, Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss. Just, uh, you know, on both of those, just what are your kind of thoughts on Sam Pittman to Arkansas, Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss and, you know, how likely is it that they will find success within the next three to four years?
2: Uh, I think both will find success within the next three to four years. Probably a little bit better set up is uh, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss because I thought Matt Luke did a phenomenal job recruiting. I mean, you look at the freshman class they had last year, players like John Rice Plumley, a quarterback, Jerry Ann Ealy and Snoop Connor, a running back. Uh, they had plenty of freshmen that were contributing last year. Those guys were all back. They're not drastically changing the schemes on either side of the ball, keeping a lot of the stuff the same. So I think Lane Kiffin's stepping into the better situation uh, for a first-year head coach. And once again, I think first-year head coaches, as a general rule this year, are going to struggle, especially with the lack of spring practices. Now with Arkansas, I think Sam Pittman's stepping into a little bit tougher of a job because you know, there's a major re-change, or major change on offense a couple of years ago, and he's their third head coach in four years. When you have that amount of turnover, it's a little tough. Uh, you look at the fact that Brett Bielema wanted a big offensive line, and then Chad Morris came in and wanted smaller, speedier types on the offensive line that could move more, and now they're going back to the big offensive lines. All that change and restructuring, Takes a little bit of time, and and the defense needs some work. But I think Sam Pittman will do a good job. I'm going to cut him some slack the first year because he didn't have any spring practices. Uh, but I I think he will get it done. He'll get and the, actually they put on a lot of weight on the offensive line. We'll yeah. see if they can adjust to the new schemes.
1: Yeah, you know, and and one thing that uh that we that we feel Sam Pittman did a good job in is hiring you know good coordinators. You know, getting Kendall Brawls coming in as the offensive coordinator and then Barry Odom as the defense, how much, uh, especially with Barry Odom being a head coach in the SEC previously, how much will that help Sam Pittman in, in his first head coaching job and to kind of help, like you said, the defense needed a lot of work. Barry is, you know, is one of the top defensive minds in the country. Kind of how, how will that help Sam? And, and granted, playing 10 SEC games is not ideal for Arkansas right now who haven't won an SEC game in, you know, two and a half years. Uh, but how will that those experienced coordinators help Sam in this transition this first year?
2: Yeah, and I, I like both hires. I agree with you 100% on that. Uh, Kendall Bryles, I think, is one of the more underrated offensive coordinators out there and has done a great job at every spot he's been in, Baylor, Florida, Atlantic, Houston, and uh, Florida State. So I, I think he's going to do just fine and, uh, at that. And then, as you mentioned, Barry Odom bringing in the head coaching experience is big. I think what's really lacking is the lack of spring practices the chance for those guys to, uh, you know, find out about their players, see them on the field, and uh, I think that's going to make it tough for a lot of first-year head coaches this year.
0: You know, obviously, uh, you know, we had the uh, new coaching hires and whatnot. There were a lot of those in the off season, but one of the mainstays in the off season has been, you know, Trevor Lawrence being one of the Heisman favorites, if not the Heisman favorite. Uh, You know, when you look at that award this year, obviously Trevor Lawrence is going to be in the mix, but who are some other guys you think that could challenge him for the Heisman this year?
2: You know, one name I'm going to throw out that not a lot of folks are talking about is Sam Ellinger of Texas. You know, if they go and beat Oklahoma, all of a sudden that would vault him right to the top, especially if he has the type of season I expect. He's a dangerous runner, uh, a dangerous passer, and he's tough. I mean, he bounces right back up after some big hits, So uh, I think Ellinger's going to be the surprise guy. But my two favorites for the Heisman coming into the year are who everybody expects, Trevor Lawrence, who will be the number one pick in next year's NFL draft, Uh, and then uh, Justin Fields from Ohio State, who, as I mentioned, had 41 touchdown passes, three interceptions last fall. Now, the one thing about Trevor Lawrence, last year he got all that hype prior to the season. Maybe he thought he was invincible. He had eight interceptions his first seven games, but he actually – had a 22-0 ratio over the last seven games last year, so I think that's going to be a great race. Uh, generally, quarterbacks for undefeated teams have a great shot of winning the Heisman, and that's why I've got Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields as the top two guys.
1: So we, we talked about the group of five earlier, trying to get 12 games in, and and we're right now we're literally sitting about five minutes from Arkansas State's campus, and and they've had a lot of success in the Sun Belt, uh, you know, over the last five, six, seven years. Um, kind of, who are some Group of Five teams that you know might could sneak into a New Year's Six Bowl or or some you know some some teams in those leagues that you keep an eye on that are that that are as good as a lot of these Power Five teams out there.
2: Yeah, and I, I think it starts with the American Conference. Whereas uh, you know, last year I actually rated the American Conference the fifth best conference in college football ahead of the ACC. As I mentioned, you'd be hard-pressed to find who the second-best team in the ACC was last year next to Clemson. Uh, And Last year, I sort of went out of the box when it came to the American. I called for Cincinnati to top UCF in the division standings and face Memphis in the uh, American Conference game, and they did. And uh, I had Memphis getting to the Group of Five New Year's Day bowl game. They did, so I was pretty happy with that. This year, I'm going back to UCF. (laughs) I mean, UCF is a team that Lost three games last year, but all three games were close losses. And when you look at the team this year, they are loaded talent-wise. They've got uh, 16 returning starters coming back. Uh, Each of their eight units rank in my top units in the front of the magazine. With my number nine offensive line in the country, number seven defensive backs, they could have five defensive backs on the senior Bowl watch list. My number seven set of running backs, and now veteran quarterbacks, so Mackenzie Milton can play, but if not they've got uh, Dylan Gabriel now experienced and Mac at QB as well so I've got UCF as my pick to get to that New Year's Day 6, but they'll be challenged. Memphis going to have a tough team this year. How about Boise State coming out of uh, the Mountain West? Boise, if they get the yep. offensive line reworked, they've got a really good quarterback coming back and, and uh, I think they've got a shot. And then from the CUSA uh, how about the UAB Blazers? And Bill Clark is just doing an amazing job with UAB uh, last year, they were one of the least experienced teams in the country and still got the nine wins. Now they're back to being one of the most experienced teams in the country. And this could be Bill Clark's best team he's had yet, and that could make them extremely dangerous. And from the Sun Belt, I think there's three teams really worth mentioning. App State, of course, Louisiana, and then Arkansas State. And let's face it, last year Arkansas State had suffered a myriad of injuries on the defensive side of the ball so much so that they had to switch out of their four-man defensive front, at times playing just two defensive linemen. They were so banged up with injuries. Also lost their starting quarterback early in the year, but still finished off the year strong. And I think Arkansas State's going to be strong this year as well.
0: And last thing, I know we have another new to get to, but you know, last thing before uh, we let you get out of here, I know you were talking about Arkansas State just um, – you know, obviously, they're going to play two. They're going to have the ability to play two quarterbacks uh, with Hatcher and Bonner. Jay Adams is going to be back. Uh, I know you have ULL picked to win that West Division, but just what are your, kind of your expectations for Arkansas State, and how likely do you think it is? You know, they could sneak in and make that Sun Belt Championship game.
2: They they just have to roll into Louisiana on uh, November the fifth and uh, come out of there with a win. And we don't know what the home crowd's going to be, so that could yeah. be a factor this year. I think we're gonna see more road teams win this year than we've seen uh any other year. And that was part probably a big part of the equation of me putting Louisiana up there number one because I like Arkansas State's offensive line. i right rated my top units. As you touched on, you can't get much better at quarterback than Bonner and Hatcher both coming back with the starting experience. They're solid on special teams, they got some dangerous receivers in Dahu Green and Jonathan Adams. It's a very talented Arkansas State team, and all those injuries they suffered on defense last year will have a more experience than even the returning starters, uh, which is listed as six. Uh, so th- I think the defense will show a lot of improvement this year.
0: Phil, thanks so much for the time. Always uh, enjoyed talking football with you and really appreciate the time this morning.
2: Hey, a lot of fun talking football with you guys. And Remember, the only two places you can get the magazine this year are Barnes & Noble and Books a Million. Those are the only two places, so don't waste your gas driving around looking for it anywhere place else. Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, or Philsteel.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E.com. But a lot of fun talking football with you guys today.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks to uh Phil Steele for hopping on with us. We mentioned it at the top of the show. Uh he mentioned it in the interview, but um uh, You know, if you want to get the magazine, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. Uh, I know we have people listening from kind of all over the place, but some are local here in Jonesboro. So, obviously, if you're in Jonesboro, you can't go to either one of those places because we don't have a Barnes & Noble or Books A Million right now. But PhilStill.com, you can also order it as well for the largest college football preview in the world. Um, How crazy is it that he
1: (laughs) said, like – They've only printed one fourth of what they usually print.
0: Yeah, because like, usually you can walk into Walmart. Yeah. Or you can walk into a gas station, for that matter, and like it's Phil still everywhere. And so you know that's one of the things coronavirus is. Yeah. You know. Thanks, Corona. Yeah. Thanks, Corona. But how, also, how crazy is it that they start in November on their publication yeah. when the season isn't even finished yet? I mean,
1: they're they're still Phil's still watching college football getting ready for next year. That's just – it tells you, though, how in-depth and why he's maybe the best there is at it and his team. Um, you know, you can just tell they work, you know, and that's that's why the, the publication and why everybody wants him on and he's got the best info. He's got the – I mean, you know, he's sitting there talking about, you know, A-State and Louisiana and Memphis and UCF like, like he's their number one fan, you know. Yeah. And, you know, we obviously can do that about our favorite teams, but – Heck, he may know our favorite teams better than what we do. <laughs> yeah, he he's awesome. Uh,
0: and again, highly recommend getting the book. Uh, because I, I,
1: one other thing that I thought was interesting, with because we we talked about it into our our lead up was with you being an Ole Miss fan, I'm an Arkansas fan, and how he talked about how the first year head coaches are kind of this is going to be different for him, yeah. you know, and and it is, you know, I'm. Hopefully these extra walk-through days that these colleges have been getting are going to pay off. You know, I know they will for mental reps, but football's not a touch game. You know, you you win football games by putting the pads on and seeing who can play with pads. and um, It just – in a year where Arkansas needed some – like, it seems like for every – like, again, I said it before Phil came on. if, If Sam Pittman wins two games this year, that's a win. Yeah. You know, because it's going to be against two pretty good teams. And and he didn't have spring practice. Like, he he still doesn't know who can hit and who can't right now. Yeah. I mean, they've not had a practice where they put the pads on and said, hey, who's tough, who's not, who can move in pads. And, you know, and, and Ole Miss is kind of in the same boat. You know, luckily, luckily for Ole Miss, for Arkansas – like, we get to play two other teams that are in the same boat, Mississippi State, Ole Miss for us, mm-hmm. you know, with y'all getting to play Arkansas. Um, we get Missouri as well, so that's the three teams that, yeah. you know, kind of in the same boat, didn't get – maybe got spring ball, but didn't get the full spring, summer workout stuff. So, you know, I would love it for Arkansas to win those three games. <laughs> I mean <laughs>
0: – It'll know. be different. Yeah, it'll be different. So. But – Again, showing our versatility going out in the college yeah. football world. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of fun talking to Phil Still. A lot of fun just talking in general about the NBA bubble and uh, college football today. Um, I mean, we're scheduled to have college football within the next three weeks, three or four weeks. So, hopefully, uh, cases yeah. cases go down everywhere. Uh, proper protocols are put into place. Uh, and we have college football. And, and the closer we get without anybody saying that you know, we're not gonna have it. The better off I feel about us yeah. having it, even if it is a shortened season, even if it is conference only, it's still college football, uh, and hopefully we can get some of those games in uh, with fans too. Well,
1: I mean, think about the conference only. H- how many times in the fall has there been a weekend in October, and you look at the schedule and like, man, there's no good games. That's not going to be the case this year. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna yeah. have matchups that you usually don't get every year. That's gonna be. So, I just read where the SEC's coming out, not with their schedule, but with the other two opponents that everybody's going to play. And I hope that Alabama has to play like Florida and Georgia J- just so we get those well, you know, games. You know who Ole
0: Miss is going to play. And Feinbaum already leaked this like three weeks ago. And I don't know if it's 100% legit, but on Feinbaum's leak, Ole Miss was scheduled to go to Knoxville this year.
1: Uh-oh. Tennessee's going to be good, man.
0: Well, that and the Lane Kiffin storyline—that's yeah. that's
1: the biggest that, thing. I mean, you, you've got to do that. I, my my biggest fear is Arkansas is going to get Florida, Georgia, and games that we're not going to win. And, yeah, you know that's going to like give us Vandy and Kentucky again. You know, <laughs> like or I'll take South Carolina. You know, yeah. um, but you know, looking forward to that, seeing who we're playing. They said early next week the schedule will be released. Um, I don't I don't know. Like it, it's it's going to be different. But but what I like is who which league is starting like September fifth still, who came
0: out and said that? Um, I think Was it the every, Big Twelve. Yeah, I think everyone still starts. No, well, SEC's, yeah, it's the Big Twelve. Big Twelve, twelve. Yeah, SEC yeah. starting like late September. That's right. SEC and I think the ACC might be yeah. starting like September twenty sixth. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, but with them starting and then the group of five still starting September fifth, you are going to have like good college football leading up into the SEC ACC, and it's then you are going to have people are going to get tired of those leagues and then yeah. boom it, the 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 big dog of the SEC comes with their matchups you know and it's i mean how would you like to be CBS right now and you get to pick every week of whatever SEC matchup like you don't have to worry about you know a, a week where there's a bad game you know
0: CBS just needs to tell them that on the week of the masters sorry about it we're broadcasting the Masters. Uh, that but, comes before SEC football. Uh,
1: I don't know about that. That'd be <laughs> that's going to be an interesting weekend. Yeah. Because what does is,
0: what, is, what does Jim Nance do? Does, does Jim Nance broadcast football that weekend, or does he broadcast golf? That's that's a million dollar sports question right now. There's there's no telling it's whoever brings in the most money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, so he's broadcasting the Masters. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Uh, real quick, got to shout out to Coach Smith Orioles uh, sitting firmly in second place at five and seven right now. Um, yeah, definitely not getting your money on that, bud. But hey, shout out to the Orioles.
0: Go Cubs. Ten and three, eleven and three, whatever we're right now. Go Cubs. Ten and uh, three. All right, so thanks to Phil Still for hopping on today. Uh, a lot of fun, you know, just kind of going around talking NBA, college football and whatnot. Uh, again, really appreciate Phil Still for hopping on. We'll be back next week with another episode uh, with a guest. So uh, until next week, for Katie Livingston, I'm Kate Carlton. So long, everyone. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.